Like, mm-hmm. I would like to be there. Yeah. If, if she could pay someone to do that, I would cook, I would go and visit right. there a couple of times a week. Yeah. But yeah, like, to cook, I would love to. Because I, I have great. a waffle recipe that I think is, like, the best waffle recipe. And it needs to be in a restaurant somewhere. So, but I'm not going to be telling people about it, even though I'm not the one who made it up. So. I like <laughs> secret. Yeah. <laughs> I like interacting with people, but you can take out the cooking. <laughs> Don't you cook me? at Brookside? Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Paula, do you like to cook? I used to. And yeah. then after moving to a place where it's typically 100 degrees, that kind of ruined it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eating by myself all the time, too. It's just not as much right. fun putting in the effort. I enjoy it st- somewhat still when my brothers are home and can cook for them. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I wouldn't say I love it. Like yeah. Or, or the ones who are back from college. Yeah. They're back for a couple more weeks. So or for my grandma and grandpa. Like, I do like it some, but yeah, eh, take it or leave it. Cooking for yourself sometimes can be... I don't know. It's just, it's not the same as for other people. And it always feels like to make a big meal for one person sometimes can Mm -hmm. feel whatever. But do you like cooking with Brianna though? Like, yeah. Like when we're trying a new recipe together and doing something fun and she always knows like what's going on and like has to plan. (laughs) So that's kind of nice and just do what you're supposed to do, you know? So what's next? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been at my parents' place. Except for like traveling to visit different people, but for the most part, sure. So, welcome to It's a Good Day podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Listeners, we are blessed to have Paulette Cross with us today. I'm excited to hear what we end up talking about. Uh, this is Delight, and August and Wendy are both here with me, of course. And Atlas is laying on the table, being cute. Yeah, you know, all those things. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Paulette. We're really excited to have you. Will you just tell us a little bit about you? Um, thank you so much for having me today. I am really excited about this. And um, as you said, my name is Paulette, and I grew up here in Lewis County. I'm the oldest of seven children, was homeschooled. And now the Lord has given me the privilege of living in Brazil, in the Amazon jungle. I work with New Tribes Mission of Brazil down there with the Zorro people and have been there for about about seven years in Brazil, but three years in the village. Wow. So how did you... like? how did that come about? Like, how did you end up where you, where you're at? Like, were you always like, did you grow up knowing someday I'm going to be a missionary or when did that come about? From a pretty young age, um, I grew up in a Christian home. So my parents taught me about Jesus from the time I was born. And um, I trusted in Jesus as my savior when I was four. And I think maybe from the age of five or six, I realized that not everyone in the world knows about Jesus. And I thought specifically about the boys and girls because I was a child at that time. And so just thinking about the fact that there were boys and girls around the world who didn't know about Jesus just made me sad. And I remember that's kind of how it started. And then my parents had a real passion for missions and we're always inviting like all the missionaries that would come speak at our church. My mom would always um, tell the pastor like, oh, we'd love to host them at our house. And so they'd always spend the night and we'd get a chance to talk with the missionaries one-on-one besides hearing the presentations. And then we always had biographies of great heroes of the faith, like Amy Carmichael and Adoniram Judson, Jim Elliott, all the famous and not so famous missionaries that we were reading um, and that our parents would read to us. So... And then as well, my pastor and his wife um, were very passionate about missions. And I can still remember like some of the specific junior church and Sunday school lessons that our pastor's wife would do with us children about missions. And then they ended up leaving our church to go to the mission field themselves for a number of years. So from probably the age of six or seven, I was telling people like, I'm going to be a missionary when I grew up, when I grow up, (laughs) future tense. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And then it's a real long story, like how I ended up in Brazil specifically and um, 
the jungle, but basically the Lord just directed my steps over the years and opened doors and just confirmed that that was what he had for me and then opened up connection to Brazil through the Bible college that I went to and then I just fell in love with the culture and the people and the food and everything Mm -hmm. in like 10 days and just prayed that God would continue to open doors in Brazil specifically and he did and gave me a really great family down there that taught me Portuguese and the culture and everything and then eventually opened kind of shifted my steps to work with unreached peoples within Brazil so I'm with an indigenous people group so it's like thinking Native Americans only Native Brazilians Mm -hmm. Um, so like a tribe and a village and everything and um, there's many people groups in Brazil that still don't have the Bible translated into their language and so that's a big a big need down there when you did you ever do anything short term like did you go short term any other countries before you knew you were staying a long time or um I did a short-term trip to Bermuda, but that was like a summer camp type ministry, not like a missions opportunity that would have led to something long-term. But another another country. country. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like the first day you were in Brazil, like when you, you know, touched down on that soil, like, do you remember the feelings that you had or what? Yeah. What, what did you, what were you thinking that day? Like how long were you going to be there that first time? 10 days the first time. Okay. So super exciting. It was with a group that first time. So there were six of us and three of us had never flown before and never been to a foreign country besides like they were Canadians and I was American. So like between other than being back and Mm -hmm. forth across that border, but um, none of us had been to a foreign country. So just super excited to see what the Lord had for us and what kinds of doors he had opened. And like, for me, it was kind of like something I'd been waiting for since I was like a little, a little kid, right? Like to be exposed to a new language and a new culture and all of this. So it was very, very exciting to see what the Lord would do and what he had in store and what Brazilian culture would be like and all of that. Yeah. And at what point, well, I guess, is it, is this, like, do you see yourself there kind of like the rest of your life or probably or not? Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. And at what point did you realize that? Like, at what point was it, okay, this is my home now? Hmm. I think even during those first 10 days, I guess I knew I wanted it to be like, if that was what the Lord had, I didn't know if it was my desire, my idea, Mm -hmm. or really something he was doing at that point. But from the first 10 days, like it was like, I wasn't even super interested in like looking into other possibilities. Okay. Like, okay, Lord, if you're going to, if you'll open up doors here, like I'm in, you know, like I love Brazil and there's definitely need here and why not, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was probably during the next time I was down there for six months and actually really getting to know the culture and the language because you don't really know that much in, right. in 10 days. You know, you meet people and you enjoy people and start those relationships. But it was in the six months that I lived with my Brazilian family and got to see firsthand what the culture is really like right. and build deeper relationships that I'd say the Lord confirmed that. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Sometimes I know short-term trips can be, it's different than actually like, immersing yourself in the culture and Mm -hmm. you even get treated differently when you come Mm -hmm. for a week as opposed to when you're just live there for sure (laughs) so that's just really cool um so in that first six months that you lived there did you learn like are you fluent in portuguese yes okay and then in the the tribe that you're in do you know that language completely not completely I'm still still working on it um so that's been my full-time ministry job for the last two close to two and a half about two and a half years um has been language and culture learning so the the mission has like a specific training that they give us like how to learn a language and just this whole process and tips and things um to to do it um and that's been really helpful because I didn't have that for learning Portuguese just kind of learned conversationally 
and without really knowing what I was doing, but it was super fun and it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And people were very patient patient with me, so it was terrific. Mm -hmm. Um, But now having more of a strategy as well as like still learning conversationally and learning relationally and just, you know, day to day living the language, not just learning the language, but having the tools and strategies along with that has been terrific. But I'm close. Lord willing, this this year, wow, we're in 2020 already, kind of crazy. But Lord willing, this year I'll be transitioning from the culture and language learning ministry to like teaching and translation. So getting close. I think it's really cool that they are teaching you about the culture too. Mm -hmm. For us as Americans, okay, I'll speak for myself, whatever. I... You know, I grew up and I didn't really think about any of that until marrying someone from mm. another culture. And just to, what is the word? Um, like to put value in that maybe? Like that another culture is valuable and like their, the things in their culture is, is valuable to them even though we have our own way of doing things. Just to see that and to validate that and to say like this is important to you and I'm going to learn it so that I can also make it important to me too. Like, I think that's really awesome and mm. really good. Because even there might be other missionaries where they just go and they live in another country, but maybe they don't actually immerse themselves and actually try to, you know, they just bring in their own culture and don't try to fit into the culture there. And I think that's really cool. And I think the people then are more apt to, you know, I don't know, the way that they look at you is different. They're like, oh, well, she would like to be like us and she would like to learn about our ways and like I think it speaks volumes so mm-hmm. yeah cool yeah it's been a, a real privilege and a lot of fun just to become part of a new community like that you know and see how they do things and like be there first as a learner and an observer you know mm-hmm. rather than just come in and oh I'm going to teach you all about Jesus well first right. of all that wouldn't work too well because they're not going to understand the words but like to be a learner first mm-hmm. and like just come in that position oh I'm, I'm going to learn from you and they know that why I'm there is to teach eventually and they right. want that but to be in that position of a learner mm-hmm. first has like been you're building really your good. trust exactly like, yeah exactly. and then yeah, and then your words will have so much weight. Like when that time comes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's cool. And like you were saying, different cultures are obviously different and just the value system and just seeing the world. It's like they're wearing completely different glasses than I'm wearing, you know, and just looking mm-hmm. at things so differently and in ways I never would have thought to think about yeah. certain aspects of life mm-hmm. and just in understanding that to be able to present the word of God in a way that makes sense. Like it's about so much more than the words, mm-hmm. but about the worldview and the mindset too. Yeah. And then just valuing what they value and learning from that. I mean, as Americans, we have a lot of great things in our culture, but there's a lot of things we could learn from, from other cultures, mm-hmm. you know, and some of their values that we can learn from and, apply pretty neat so when you're here like you're here right now and you've been here for how long I feel like I'm I'm like taking over you're fine (laughs) since um the end of July okay yeah so and it's January now just for our listeners (laughs) um like is it culture shocked for you to come home it is yeah big time how how is that like what is it like being here after being there for years um initially it was just felt very fast paced here like everybody Mm -hmm. has so much on the schedule on the agenda and rushing here and rushing there and meeting this person an appointment and just very felt very fast paced and I felt like I couldn't keep up with it or with my family or church just all of it so that was a big thing um and then being overwhelmed by how easy everything is here in a sense like easy access to things Mm -hmm. like in Brazil they have electricity and refrigerators and all of that stuff I don't want to give the wrong impression of Brazil but Mm -hmm. in the village we have a generator so it's like two or three hours of electricity per night most days when the generator is not broken and when the diesel doesn't run out so it's like the convenience of having electricity all the time it's like whoa this is great and I don't need to save the battery on my computer to do only certain Mm -hmm. activities like work and ministry activities I can use it anytime I want right Um, so that was a big adjustment too like it sounds so positive and so good but it's overwhelming at the same time or like just all the options in the stores and like Amazon that you can just order whatever you want in two days it shows up at your doorstep and (laughs) so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah do you find it hard to come do you find it hard to come back and not feel sort of 
I don't know, like, I think it would be hard, like, if you hear somebody complaining or if you, like, I think it would be a little hard to not kind of want to judge people here mm. be- for the fact that that's how we live, sort of. Not, You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want it to sound negative, but I think that for me, I think it would be hard to, like, yeah, it's just so different. And mm-hmm. so to kind of accept that, okay, well, just, like, maybe there people don't know any other way we'll hear we don't know any other way either and so just what we're used to but yet it's a lot like right. I don't know does that make sense I don't mm-hmm. know how to it ask a more sense. concise question but it makes sense and it has been something I've had to ask the Lord to help me with for sure to sure. not be negative and critical of my own culture coming back yeah like yeah. it seems to be the mindset like when you go to another country like you're with your intention being oh I'm here to be a servant I'm here to serve Christ and to serve the people and I want to learn their culture want to adapt and fit in and become part of them for me at least it's been like I'm not very judgmental like at all and Mm -hmm. then coming back it's like seeing the negative parts or maybe just not having that same mindset and we should right right? we should be wanting to be Jesus and show Jesus love and serve wherever we are even in our own cultures but it's just something about that's where I grew up and just seeing the negative things that maybe never stood out to me before and I see them in me too sure but then to not be judgmental of us as Americans mm-hmm. or the way we do things that yeah. it definitely has been a struggle and something the Lord's working on in my yeah. heart you know to help me deal with that as I'm here um but not so much I'd say just complaining like I mean people in all cultures complain and sure. it's kind of funny to me how we complain about things we know like we complain about winter here right and like it's like whoa is it like we didn't know winter was gonna come this year we didn't know it was gonna be cold right and they're in the jungle they complain about the bugs well there's bug season every single year it's like you know it's gonna happen right (laughs) so it just seems to be a human thing the complaining but Mm. I think one thing that's been a challenge in the coming back and seeing what we have compared to what they don't has been in the area spiritually just like they don't my friends don't even have the bible in their own language yet they have it in Portuguese but in the Zoro language like they don't have scripture in their language and they want it so bad and then I come back here and we have everything, right? We have, right. we have, I mean, we all have our own churches, but then we can listen to sermons from any church we want to on the internet yeah. pretty much and podcasts and videos and books, like just so Unlimited. many resources. It just is. All the translations be, of exactly, the like, English Bible. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know how many dozens there are, right? <laughs> right. We just have so much at our fingertips mm-hmm. and then still, I don't know, sometimes complain about things spiritually and not that things aren't hard sometimes, but just, or we don't take the initiative to maybe grow and use what the Lord's given us. Or we mm-hmm. have Christian community, you know, like the community of faith that we can have fellowship just so easily. Yeah. Um, we can be kind of complacent. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And that's been hard. And just feeling, struggling with feeling guilty sometimes. Like I have so much in my yeah. heart language. And then I don't always appreciate it the way I should. You know, sometimes maybe I don't take the time with the Lord right. that I could and that I want to. And then my friends are there still just so hungry and waiting. And then there's people groups who don't even know about Jesus at all yet. To even right. know what they could be hungry for and what they're mm-hmm. missing out on. Yeah. So in the village, are there other believers that you're there, that you're surrounded with at this point, or are you kind of alone? Um, well, it's hard for anyone. To, we can't know people's hearts for of sure, course. right? But of how course, the culture yeah. works, it's a very community-oriented culture. So a number of years ago, they made the like group decision, joint decision, to stop following the old ways and start following God's ways, start following the Bible. Um, their first exposure to the gospel was in 1978, so it happened at some point after that, so pretty recent. Okay. Um, so because of that, the positive is that then um, like there's no more witch doctors, there's no more cannibalism, there's no more mm. killing babies and all of these things that were common before because they didn't know the truth and they were in bondage um, and just living in fear. So the positive side is all of that is over but the not so positive side is since everybody kind of made that decision together it's hard to know who did it just because the community did that okay that and makes decided sense. to follow God and who actually understood the gospel and truly okay. has a relationship with Christ so but you can know or have a pretty good idea based on people's life and the fruit that you see as scripture sure. tells us so there's some friends in our village that I would say 
I'm confident that they know Christ, just can see that hunger that yeah. can only be the Holy Spirit for things of the Lord. Sure. Um, and then other people, you know, I hope, but I don't really know. And then mm-hmm. other people, it's just hard to know. Yeah. But pretty much every Zoro person would say they follow God and okay. love God. Yeah. That's interesting. Like mm-hmm. even like you're saying, we don't know. We don't know the hearts of man, but mm-hmm. yeah. you can follow what the Lord's like leading you to do. But yeah, I was wondering if you had encouragement around mm. you, you know, if you had other people that were encouraging okay. you in the Lord. I do have a coworker who's Brazilian okay. as well. And she also works with um, the mission. So we're there okay. together. So nice. Yeah, we have. That's and like, was this, like, will you plan, like at, at this point, do you feel like you'll be in the same village forever? Or like long, long term, uh, yeah. most likely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope to visit other villages as the Lord provides opportunity and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but as far as living, it'll be there. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like maybe your living arrangements. Like if you live with other people or what, what does your home look like? That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I have my own house that the Lord provided uh, within a year after I moved down there. So that was pretty exciting to see how he provided for that so quickly. It is much cheaper to build a house down there, by the way. <laughs> so that helps. Um, the It's divided into three rooms. The main room that you'd walk into first is my kitchen, a living area. Like there's benches for like a visiting area and my office um, study desk area. Uh, so that's all one big, one big room, about 15 by 12 maybe and that's a dirt floor and the house itself is made out of wood and a thatch roof and then you walk through that into the bedroom the bedroom has a tile floor and then you walk through the bedroom and there's the bathroom which also has a tile floor and I have a shower and toilet and sink in the bathroom which is awesome (laughs) Um, and the kitchen I decided not to have a sink so I wash dishes outdoors which I like doing that's what most of the ladies in the village do so it's kind of fun to be outdoors and just have interaction with people while I wash dishes Um, and the thatch roof is really nice it does mean more lizards and bugs than I would have if I had like a regular tin roof Um, but it keeps it a lot cooler and so I decided to go with the cooler temperature yeah yes because it's pretty pretty hot pretty hot mm-hmm. yep and is that like I do not deal well with the heat and I prefer the winter like you were saying you know we live mm-hmm. here and I I like it when it's cooler like are you do you like the heat or is that a struggle for you like what's that I don't as far as the pr- as far as the practical things of living down there that's probably my least favorite the hardest okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so but it is what it is and you know, it's not the end of the world. Just like how of. hot does it get? Like when, when okay. you're saying that it's pretty I think it hits warm. 100 most days probably. I don't have okay. a thermometer in the village, but based on temperatures when I'm in the city, yeah. the thermo- there is a, you know, temperature is tracked. So mm-hmm. I think it hits 100 most days and half the year it's super humid and the other half of the year it's super dry. So it feels a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But He's so cute. Okay, so tell us about, you know, like your average day. That's where you live. Then what do you, what do you do during the day? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Um, The days can look pretty different. Okay. Um, Basically, I base my schedule and daily activities on what my friends are doing. Because with learning the language, um, I learn it through participating in whatever my friends are doing Mm -hmm. so in the morning typically well I guess I get up first (laughs) make coffee and get ready (laughs) for my day um I I like it so far yeah I'm with (laughs) you and uh used to start off the day like spending some time like my devotional time in the morning and then quickly realized that wasn't going to work in that setting because um, the Zoro people don't really have necessarily a plan for every day what they're going to do. So like if I would go around in the evening and be like, so what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do tomorrow? Just ask all my friends and see what might be going on that I could participate in the next day. Typically their answer would be, I don't know, or ask me tomorrow or we'll see. <laughs> so realized that wasn't going to work. So the best way to figure out where 
the best opportunities like for language learning and hanging mm-hmm. out with people and building relationships are in the morning okay. so I would be trying to do my devotions like focus on the word and time with Jesus and I'd hear people getting up and I'd be like oh somebody's gonna go do something cool I'm gonna miss out <laughs> and so it's like I would be totally like losing it. focus and not like getting anything like I'd be reading a passage and wouldn't even know what it was about afterwards because at the same time I'm being attentive to all these right. noises and hearing people go to the because they have community bathrooms like going to the shower and like I'm like oh I'm gonna miss out so <laughs> I love it yeah. so I now do spend my time with the Lord at night after everyone's in bed mm-hmm. um, jumping ahead to the end of the day and the generator's turned off and no more visitors are gonna come okay. and that's worked out really well just to have that peaceful and quiet time with the Lord which has been wonderful so I might read just like a verse or something you know to be meditating on the word a little bit in the morning but then the day starting out by figuring out what my friends are doing and where the most Mm -hmm. fun or exciting activity is going to (laughs) be um and yeah they don't really know they're in a competition every day for (laughs) who's doing the most exciting culture (laughs) who's gonna get to spend time with Paula (laughs) today is that (laughs) not sure if they would consider that a prize no yeah (laughs) they like taking me along though for the most part they they enjoy teaching and mm-hmm. showing me things. So then I might go to the garden with one of my friends or um, if they're going Brazil nut harvesting in the jungle or going fishing, sometimes the whole family will go fishing together. Other times it's just the men. Um, or just sitting in a friend's kitchen while she cooks something and just talking with all the ladies. Like a lot of times you'll find like pretty much all the ladies in the village like just hanging out for the morning and talking mm-hmm. while one of them is working at something. And then just spend the day with people, typically about half the day, like out in the village with people. The idea is about try to spend about four to six hours out in the village with people. And then always with my notebook and voice recorder. So writing down things that I learn and recording people saying different words or telling me stories that I can listen to afterwards and then going back and studying that on my own and having a language helper come and like help me with the things I didn't understand and explain things to me and like work through things at a deeper level to get more out of the material that they taught me during the day. It's Mm -hmm. cool like how it's very specific Mm -hmm. like even though it's you might not know day to day what you're doing or you know they might whatever like you're saying it's so much slower pace but yet like it's cool that you kind of have a pattern to follow. Like you have mm-hmm. a specific mm-hmm. um, way of doing it. I would like that. I think like, I think just being there and being completely like, okay, what do I do now might be hard on me, but it's kind of cool yeah. to know like, okay, I do this and then I do this. And mm-hmm. Is that something that was important to you even before you went there to live? Like, did you want to be around people and be where the fun is and like creating that community? Was that like something that just is natural to you or is that something because you kind of have to like to to like put yourself into their community and try to you know learn all that you can you kind of have to be that way there Mm -hmm. but is that something that's just natural to you or is that something that you've just had to learn to kind of put yourself out there Mm. I would say it didn't come it was not who I naturally was like at all my personality or no it just was not I would say it was definitely something the Lord started to work on in my life during my time at Bible college, like just needing to be like, I'm an introvert naturally, very mm-hmm. much so. So just being around people and needing to be more social, like being in social situations, whether I really wanted to or not at college and like in a dorm and interacting with people throughout the day. So it, I started to grow a little bit in that area there, I would say. But then Brazilian culture was fantastic because they are very social, very relationship oriented, very much like, oh, be where the action is and where the people are mm-hmm. and just hang out all day and all evening and so I learned from my Brazilian family and the Brazilian culture in general how to be more people oriented and relationship oriented rather than maybe to-do list oriented which was Mm -hmm. probably how I was more naturally so I'd say the Lord definitely did a lot of work in my heart and life to help me become that kind of person Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of cool how (laughs) I know August is like ready to move (laughs) over there good question (laughs) yes candles or flashlight I have a little solar powered lantern so I can charge it during the day but I do like candles too so they're they're kind of fun (laughs) August is like it sounds so romantic (laughs) (laughs) romantic Uh, and social (laughs) (laughs) candlelight by night well since we're on that note how do you make your coffee like do you have um I have a it's called a 
Italian coffee maker, I think. They have them in the United States, yeah. too. Do you know what I mean? And you, like, put the water in the bottom, and there's, like, a little thingy, a little, little basket, and the coffee grounds go, and okay. it just goes on your stove. Okay. So, and it's super quick. Gas, mm-hmm. gas okay. stove. So I take propane, propane tank okay. from this thing. That makes sense. Okay. There are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I don't have one, so I catch rides with Zorro friends who have vehicles. Okay. So, like, to get into the jungle from, like, the city... Like, from where you're residing family lives, how, what does that process look like? Okay. Um, my Brazilian family lives in a completely different part of Brazil. Okay. So I don't typically go, like, from there to the village. Okay. So there, yeah, because Brazil's huge. So think, like, maybe the distance between here and, I don't know, Texas, like, something yeah. pretty far. Yeah. Um, so to the city, the closest city, though, from the village is about four hours by road. Uh, during dry season so it's not too bad Um, the Zorro people keep their vehicles on the other side of the river so we cross the river by boat like from our houses cross the river by boat and then get to the vehicles and then and then drive Um, the the roads are yeah (laughs) the roads are dirt though so during muddy season um, the longest trip I was on was 17 hours because we got stuck in the mud that many times and had to get rescued so you just never know how long it's going to take that time of year you try to stay well my logic is try to stay in the village as much as possible and not make too many trips it's interesting because i'm somebody who like i'm not what something i'm not very good at is like having like margin Mm -hmm. with my times like you were talking about how we are kind of as americans and we put so much into a day and we're it's so fast-paced and for sure i think that my personality kind of lends towards being that way like i can often have three things going on in a day you know like some people are like oh I have an appointment that day so I'm busy and I'm like (laughs) okay your appointment's an hour what about the rest of the day you know like (laughs) but I think that it's yes so I'm trying to learn to do that more you know to have more space around around what I'm doing and um I don't know I was saying that oh I was thinking about I was in Uganda one time. I've been there once. And about how from, like, the city that my friends lived to, like, the capital city, like, nobody knows how long it takes Mm -hmm. because it totally depends on the day, the time of day, Mm -hmm. the traffic, the, you know, whatever. Like, maybe, like, one, I don't know, something that I thought was, like, a seven-hour trip another time was, like, a three-hour trip and I was Hmm. like wait how far where are we you know like and I think it's just interesting and like it's such a different way of life of living where you don't know how long we're here I'm like yep it takes 13 minutes to get from my house to August's house and I'm gonna pick her up and then we're gonna get to Wendy's and you know like where that's not even here like in a city that's not so practical but in rural America you can kind of do that around here but yeah it's just interesting having to adjust to a completely different way Mm. of doing it and like you're saying sometimes it's four hours sometimes it's 17 hours well if you'd have to miss your later appointment if that's what (laughs) happened like obviously on a day like that you don't have anything else planned probably you're going to the city but the city city. and so the city that's four hours typically it would take you 17 hours Mm -hmm. and when you say boat like what kind of boat (laughs) are you Um, like canoe-ish or like they're like those flat bottom like metal boats like flat bottomed but like just a little bit they're a little bit bigger than a canoe but not like huge and you can put like a motor on them if you want to like a a motorboat like at bigger camp yeah like the back is but it's, it's like flat. the bat. Oh, man. I'm so <laughs> bad with, like, <laughs> we use this all the time. <laughs> there we go. Called, right? um, it's like, yeah, like, like the bat. Yeah, like the back is, like the back is flat. Yeah, like the back is flat. And the butt. Are those okay. called robots? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. And you can put, like, an outboard motor on the back if you yes. want to, okay. to go faster, but you can just row them. So, too. like, how so. many people at it, like, would be on it? Um, well, just to cross, because since it's just for crossing the river, we put quite a few in them. Um... Well, no, we've gone on longer trips before too. We've maybe put fifteen people in them, including children. Oh wow! Wow. So, like some of, some of the the fifteen people are children, not right. fifteen adults right. plus yeah. kids. So yeah, 
or like on the way back from the city with supplies like crossing with a few people and a whole bunch of supplies so it's a lot mm. of weight they go in them it has a hole in it so like people are like bailing <laughs> on the way I love it <laughs> it's never tipped that I've seen okay. or heard about so yeah they're, they're pros they know what they're doing that's why right. you're glad yeah. to have friends who've got the system down yeah oh it's, yeah as long sure. as you're with them you're safe same so. in Ukraine when we went there we would take these hockey bags like all, everyone on the team would have a hockey bag because we could okay. fit more in it. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, I mean, there was maybe like 12 of us. And then we all have these like hockey bags full <laughs> and they would show up in like one van. And I'm like, okay, so there's like three of you, there's 12 of us, there's 12 hockey bags. Wow. And they didn't think anything of it. We just mm-hmm. pile yep. in pile the bags in like it just works like and it's just how they do it like (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's similar to what wendy asked like how much of a different way of life and immersing yourself in that culture and living there and doing life there like how much of that kind of comes naturally mm. and how much is like, okay, this is really a challenge, but I feel like that's what God asked me. So I'm doing it. Mm. Like when you talk about it, you definitely sound like it just comes natural, which is like, which is awesome. But I would imagine that it's not perfect. Probably. <laughs> I mean, imagine there's things that are difficult. <clears throat> Maybe. It's a good question. Um, I guess one thing that probably did come naturally is, like, even though I'm an introvert and like saying maybe being super relationship focused and always wanting to be with people and that kind of thing was something I've learned. It feels natural now at this point. Like I think I lived in Brazilian culture long enough that a lot of that had changed by the time I went to the village, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it has felt more natural there because I had done it before and kind of learned it. So Mm -hmm. it had had been something maybe not originally natural, but it kind of feels natural now. But I always enjoyed people ever since I was young, just maybe Mm -hmm. more of a one-on-one type Mm -hmm. person, you know, and I liked asking questions and learning things and finding out new ways to do things and new culture, new foods, new recipes. Like, I mean, that's, every culture has those things, right? Mm -hmm. So those parts of it came very naturally and just wanting to meet people. And then something I discovered when I'm in a new culture and surrounded by a new language that I don't understand anything, it kind of drives me crazy in the sense like, these are my friends and like we already are establishing a friendship, but I can't understand them. So Mm -hmm. like, I want to learn their language. Mm -hmm. And so that's very motivating to me. And so that came really naturally, language, I would say. and that was a huge blessing that I didn't know about beforehand because I'd never really learned a language. I tried to learn Spanish in high school, but didn't really get too far. Um, so that part of it probably came naturally, the enjoying learning and wanting to learn and be with people and participate in things, you know, rather than just sit there and do nothing, but wanting to be part of what's going on. Um, what else did you ask in that question? Like, is that... Yeah, I think I was just wondering, like, yeah, like what, maybe what, was wondering what things were maybe harder for you, Mm -hmm. and maybe just how did the Lord, or how is the Lord helping you get through those things? As far as the language and culture learning part of it? Maybe any of it, Living, living far away from home. I've obviously said that you were kind of always shooting towards that. Mm-hmm. but yeah just the differences but yeah maybe that answered it okay mm-hmm. yeah um i was curious how similar what is the name of the new language you're learning zorro zorro how similar is zorro to portuguese nothing That's not at all it's just like okay so would you say something in zorro for us sure abe unga meta so I love it. I just so cool. said I'm happy to be with you today. Good. That's great. It sounds like a really pretty like song. It like, is. It's a it's tonal like, language, so they yeah. actually have different musical tones in their language. That's what I was thinking. Cool. Like it cool. reminds me. This is gonna sound so. It's a, it reminds me of Chinese or mm. Mandarin or whatever a little bit. Wow, even that's though really cool that you picked up on that. Because I could tell you were like 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So they don't, like, no one in the village that you live in, none of them know Portuguese? They, many of them know a basic level, like, to go to the city and buy things, um, and to be able to converse with people about basic stuff. Many of them can do that. I'd say probably from the age of maybe 45 and down, they could handle, like, basic situations in the city. Above the age of 45, not much Portuguese. And then there's two people in our village who I'd say are pretty close to fluent um, in Portuguese. And then the women don't understand much. Like they do high school classes in Portuguese. And my friends have told me, like, we don't really understand what the teacher is saying. And <laughs> the men understand and we don't, they've told me. Uh-huh. And then the children and older people, not much Portuguese at all. Mm-hmm. So... But then even the ones who I said are pretty much fluent, like to be able to talk about deep things, like a real heart-to-heart conversation or talk about spiritual things and the Bible, that is a whole nother level of language that we've had some conversations that have tried and then realized afterwards it just wasn't really getting communicated. That's mm. that's hard. It is. Like one time this guy who I would consider pretty fluent in Portuguese, he was translating a sermon for a visiting missionary who preached in Portuguese in the church. And this the guy that I'm saying is close to fluent translated for him translated the whole sermon it was about sanctification and afterwards he goes to talk to this missionary and my language skills weren't very good this was well over a year ago so I wasn't understanding a lot of the translation or whatever and so he goes to the missionary the visiting missionary afterwards and asked him so would you explain to me what sanctification is and that had been like the subject of the sermon and the trans like he was translating but not really understanding the main point of the Mm -hmm. message so that just goes to show like why they want scripture in their language and why that's such a big need even though there is some level of portuguese like they're not a bilingual people group Mm -hmm. because you'll find that in some places in brazil where a people truly becomes bilingual where like they just use both languages equally but it hasn't reached that point and probably Mm -hmm. won't um so like the kids that are growing up, like are they, what is it, what is like the education like there? They have a school in the village for children up to fourth grade. And I think of it as kind of like homeschool where the teacher gets paid because all the kids that she's teaching are her nieces and nephews or her kids, so, which is kind of cool <laughs> because it's just a very small village and everyone's related, right? So she's yeah. getting mm-hmm. paid by the government to like teach. So it's kind of hmm, yeah. paid homeschooling. It's kind of cool. Nice. Then from fifth grade to 12th grade, they have another, like it's also government run, um, but Zorro people are paid by the government to teach except they try to have at least one Brazilian who does classes in Portuguese. So they do try to have a lot of the classes in Portuguese. So theoretically, kids can grow up fluent. Right. It doesn't necessarily work out that way, but that's the idea. And so that school is run like a boarding school. So like the children come and young adults come from different villages for two weeks. And so they stay outside of our village, which is one reason for us being in that village because we have contact with all the people who come in for the school. So they have school in session for two weeks. And then the teens, and like all the teachers have to come live there too obviously for two weeks and then they all go back to their villages and do normal life and then two weeks so they have like seven or eight two-week sessions throughout the year okay cool yeah that's what I was curious about if like the younger people are growing up being able to learn Portuguese as well yeah they definitely are exposed and have some opportunity if they want to learn they could yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um the other thing I'm curious about is how many people live in the village about 40 40 Wow. There's about 800 Zorro people all together, and our village is one of the biggest. Okay. Wow. So, like, are the houses close together? Very close. Okay. Yeah. Like, if I'm having a conversation with you in my kitchen, my next-door neighbors can totally hear what we're talking about if they're interested. (laughs) (laughs) And that's totally acceptable in that culture, too, is, like, eavesdropping on Like, oh, I heard you say such and such. Exactly. That's totally fine. So, Mm. with 40 people, you probably can know everyone. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, you can see everybody pretty much every day. Yeah. You know, like, if if three days go by and I haven't seen a certain person, it's kind of unusual. You know, like, oh, I've got to see someone, so I haven't Mm. seen her for two days, you know? Yeah. So, which is fun, just that closeness and yeah, the community. Cool. And very cool. So, the um, do they teach outside, or is there like no? They they have buildings. They have a school. school? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. that's just a school, or is it like a multi-purpose building? Um, in the village, it's just a school for the younger children up to fourth grade, and then the 
the school for the older kids. They occasionally use it for other things, but it's pretty much a school. So. It's cool. It's also interesting. <laughs> what do you wish like that Americans understood better about just even the mission field and missionaries and just that whole the whole subject Hmm. do you call yourself a missionary i do okay (laughs) i i thought so but i just wanted i was just curious Mm -hmm. (laughs) i guess probably what i would like for people to understand about missionaries is that we're just regular people like no different from anybody else who loves Jesus and wants to serve him. And so often I get comments like, oh, I could never do what you do, or I could never live where you live, or I wouldn't be brave enough, I wouldn't be strong enough, I wouldn't be smart enough to learn another language. And just this feeling of sometimes it feels like people think I'm in some kind of different category, or that missionaries are like some kind of pedestal, or thinking that Mm -hmm. we're somehow different or better or more qualified to do what God's called us to do and I would say that's not the case at all and that God did not call me or any other missionary that I've ever talked to because we're good at it or because we're brave or strong or tough or smart or anything like that Mm -hmm. but because God can use anyone and sometimes God calls even the least likely or the least qualified people and I've definitely seen during these last few years just how I'm not enough to do what God's called me to do Mm -hmm. and sometimes even ask the Lord like why did you not send somebody better why did you not send somebody who could handle these challenges better or who would learn the language faster and that's not even a relevant question really because God sends who he wants to, you know, and God put it on my heart and put me there. And I've seen time and time again, just how he prepared me to be among the Zoro people and prepared them for me as well. Like just Mm -hmm. the friendships that he's given me there have been amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But just one hoping people would understand that God can use anyone. And if he puts that desire in your heart, or even that idea of Hmm, I wonder if maybe I could do that. Well, you can't, but Jesus in you mm-hmm. can. Right. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And that I can't do what I do either, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when, in my weakness, that's a chance for God to show what he can do. And yes. when I'm falling apart and feel like I can't handle it and can't go on, that's when I know it's Jesus more than ever. Because if it were me, I would have mm-hmm. maybe given up. You Actually know? falling yeah. apart, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. Not just almost. Mm-hmm. So that's that's such a good reminder. Yeah. And just that the need out there in, on the mission field and not just in Brazil, but around the world, like when Jesus said to, for us to pray for the Lord to send more workers into the harvest because the harvest is great and the laborers are few. Mm. Like that's still so real today and just as real as when Jesus said it. Like there's mm-hmm. such a great need. So many people who don't know about Jesus. And I know that the Lord is calling more people, you know, mm-hmm. just for us all to ask the Lord how we can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah what way he would call us to be part of the great commission, whatever that might look like for each one of us. Okay, Paula, I wanted to ask you about, you're single, you're not married. Correct. (laughs) And you have told me that you don't really see yourself getting married. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? Like, I don't feel like it's very often that you, I feel like a run into Christians are often just assuming that they will get married. Mm -hmm. And so... I love to hear that different perspective. Okay. Um, Basically, I mean, to me, like, I am single. I've always been single. So that just feels like normal. Sure. Um, So in a way, it's strange, like, talking about it because it seems so normal to me. Right. But... Um, it's something like, it's something I've thought about, you know, would the Lord have me get married someday and what would that look like? And there's been times that I thought maybe I wanted to for whatever reason. And then the desire just never really lasted that long, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, just something that in missions, like, you know, the passage where Paul talks in Corinthians seven, I think it is about how somebody who's single can devote all their attention to the things of the Lord yeah. and they're not, like taking care of children and spending time with a husband and meeting right. a husband's needs and all of that or vice versa, you know, um, 
And that always just made a lot of sense to me. And obviously yeah. Paul's not against marriage because marriage right. is something created by God and given by God as well. But we also know we're called in different ways. And mm-hmm. so some of us are given the gift of being married and some of us are given the gift of being single and serving the Lord in that way. But it just always made a lot of sense to me since missions was always on my radar from childhood yep. and how it made sense that okay, I would have more time to learn a language. I would have more freedom to just pack up and go somewhere. Or like even being back on home assignment, just how much easier it is to travel and visit people and share at churches when it's just me, not a van load of children, you know, that need to be (laughs) packed up and and all that, which I'm sure would be fun too. And I have missionary friends who do that and it's Mm -hmm. wonderful for them. Stressful sometimes too, probably. But just it make it doesn't yeah. make sense lo- logistically mm-hmm. yeah, being single in mm-hmm. in missions, and so that was definitely part of it. And just growing up and knowing that passage existed, and then just not really having a real strong desire to be married. Like yeah. I said, sometimes from time to time, but it never seemed like it was as strong as my friends' desires to be married, right. or never really lasted that long. Yeah. Or like I could see the positives to both very easily. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. then um, at one point in Brazil, there was an opportunity. There was a young man and um, marriage proposal and all of that. And the Lord just led me like in that time of like, well, have I been wrong all this time? You know, and it was someone very missions minded Mm -hmm. and like we could have served the Lord together and all of that. And so just in praying and asking the Lord, like what he would have me and if this was the Lord's will and if maybe I had been wrong thinking I'd be single all these years and I just felt like it wasn't like a wrong decision either way just feeling like the Lord was saying to me like you can serve me as a single you can serve me as a married woman but the heart of the matter is what decision was I making the decision out of love for Jesus and wanting to serve him yeah and it could have been either one and that was the way the Lord led me and what ended up happening and I'm just yeah very content tent I guess and I can't imagine being married in a sense like I said I've always been Mm -hmm. single yeah so marriage isn't something I'm opposed to you know if the Lord brought it into my life um and made it clear that that was his will for me at some point in the future like I would be obedient and probably excited at some point about it you know Uh I would imagine Mm -hmm. but at this point it's something I am content and happy and feel like my life is complete serving Jesus the way I am right now I don't feel lonely as I know some single people do I don't feel like something's missing or that there's something the Lord is wanting to give me but hasn't given me yet Mm -hmm. just feels like this is the way it's supposed to be yeah and it's not something I'm looking for yeah that's good that makes sense yeah I think that makes total sense and I think that that's good like Mm -hmm. I think that we all need to live wherever whatever our position is like I often compare like singleness even to like childlessness you know Mm -hmm. like it's not exactly the same but I identify sometimes with people who are single and desire to be married Mm -hmm. similar to not having children and desiring children because you still have to like the best is to serve the Lord in whatever position you're at and wherever you're at and to be content even even if you sometimes you might desire something different and sometimes you're just willing for something different if that's what the Lord is bringing. But Mm -hmm. I think that that is most important. Do you feel like the church today is very like marriages centered? Like do you run as someone who's single, like do you run into that where you're like, I mean, it's probably different because you live in a completely different culture but like mm-hmm. where everything is kind of geared towards couples or like do you feel that in the time I've been back in the states which hasn't been that long like uh-huh. I haven't sensed that like yeah I felt yeah and maybe some and of your maybe the contentment is some of that yeah maybe. I was, that's you know? what I was gonna say <laughs> like maybe it would be someone who isn't quite content with where they are at yeah feels like it's like they're missing something from the church or because they just feel like they're missing something right. yeah where when you're content there then maybe that's yeah because I yeah. feel like I notice that even as somebody who is married I'm always looking for ways to like include single people in mm, my cool. life and wanting that but I feel like I, I notice a lot of things geared towards like couples or whatever so mm-hmm. anyway that's good if it's not mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah. if it doesn't feel like that <laughs> all right Paulette can we talk a little bit we all have things in our lives that are difficult and would you share a little bit about what you have learned in hard times through hard times in your life 
One of the biggest things I've learned through hard times is just how faithful God is in those hard times. And that probably sounds really cliche or just, I mean, we all know that, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, just this last, maybe the last six or seven months in the village were really hard for a lot of reasons. Just a lot of health challenges uh, during that time. I was in pain a lot of of the time, Mm. uh, my back and head. And that just makes it really challenging and frustrating to be trying to learn a language and focus when I'm in pain I don't do real well learning when I'm in pain as much as I love learning and being with people in the village and the whole culture and language adventure like it's a lot of fun for me but when you're in pain it's just not the same and just hard to focus and felt like I wasn't learning a whole lot so that was one frustration and then just some really stressful things going on that are complicated but just ongoing stress that I couldn't do anything to fix the situation or do anything but pray which is a good thing to to do but Mm -hmm. nothing hands-on and practical to do to change what was going on so just dealing with this ongoing stress and just getting really discouraged and uh, feeling like I just didn't didn't know how I could keep going and trying to focus on Christ in the midst of all that but just feeling so weak emotionally and spiritually and physically Mm -hmm. in all those ways and we know that that all kind of goes together right and at one point probably in February or March just feeling like I wish I had never even come to the village I wish Jesus Mm. had not even brought me here and that was a scary thing to think because I'd been on the mission field for seven years altogether and had never even had that thought like cross my mind like just something God had given me such joy in all Mm. that time and then all of a sudden to be so discouraged and not really understand why and sick and all of this and uh, I eventually and I realized through prayer and reading scripture that um, probably a lot of what I was going through was actually spiritual attack. Like I was mm. thinking, oh, why am I sick and doing blood work and all the results came back perfect, you know, mm. things like mm. that. And just realizing, okay, we know we're in a war. You know, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. And so I knew that the stress and the people who were causing that stress, they're not the enemy, right? They're not the problem. But like the problem is the enemy wanting to discourage me and Mm -hmm. destroy me because if he could, especially at the stage where my Zorro friends have invested their lives in me Mm -hmm. and teaching me their language so that I can teach them the word of God, like what better time to get me discouraged and not even want to be there. Right. And Mm -hmm. during that time, it was maybe a week or so that I was like super discouraged and not wanting to be there. But then after that, um, by the Lord's grace, things got better emotionally and spiritually the pain was still there and the stress was still there that didn't change but just the Lord restoring my joy and my hope in Christ and it was just amazing how despite the fact that all the external things didn't change during those months the Lord gave me his joy and I had never felt the peace Mm. and the love and the joy of Christ so strong and present as in that time so it was like the hard things were really hard, but the joy and the good in that was really, really amazing as well. Wow. Like looking back, I wouldn't have traded that because mm-hmm. I experienced Jesus and his grace and love in mm-hmm. a new way to me that mm-hmm. I had never. And just all those truths of scripture about his abundant love and grace and his joy just became really real to me. And knowing that people back home were praying and that God uses the prayers of his people. And when I'm weak, that the Lord is the one who holds me up. And just thinking about that scripture from Psalm 37, how the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Mm. A verse in Jude that talks about how God is able to keep us from falling and just clinging to those scriptures and that truth that when I'm weak and I don't even feel like I have the strength to even hold on to Jesus or even to pray or read the Bible Mm. the way I want to, um, Jesus is holding on to me. Mm -hmm. And just how precious that truth is and how Mm -hmm. he walks with us through the hard times or or carries us when we need to to be carried. And then about the the fact of being in a battle and realizing maybe more than I had before, just maybe had kind of gone even to the mission field kind of naive, like sure, knowing that the enemy is real and all of that, but like not realizing how that would be maybe. And like, whoa, what have I gotten myself into? And realizing, wow, the enemy is real. But then thinking about the fact that, well, we do have a real enemy, but 
we serve the one who defeated that enemy. Like yeah. Jesus died on the cross and Jesus rose again. He's already defeated Satan completely. So we have nothing to fear and right. we can live in confidence in Christ because the Jesus that we serve, the Jesus that we obey, um, the Jesus who saved us, he's the one who defeated the enemy. And so even if the enemy is more powerful than we might've realized, that means Jesus is more powerful yeah. than we realized mm-hmm. too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And how he has the victory over Satan and over the devil and how he's working in our lives and in this world and just how exciting it is to be a part of that and to know that Mm -hmm. he will have the victory and does. Yes. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Woohoo. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Preach it. No, that's Mm -hmm. great. Well, we really appreciate you coming and stopping by to talk with us today. We, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. And, when do you go back? March 16th. Okay. So a couple months. For people to know, like, I think this will is coming out in March, right? Yes. Or About. maybe the end of February. Okay. Something like that. But yeah, so the last question we always ask is, well, what's good about today? So what's good about today for you, Paulette? Well, I am really enjoying the winter weather. Sometimes snow, sometimes not so much snow. Hoping for <laughs> some, some more snow, but yes, the cooler temperatures has been wonderful. I'm really yeah. enjoying that and outdoor activities skating and sledding with children who've been going sledding with me and um, yeah that's so that's been a lot of fun the the winter weather and being with family and having the chance to connect with Mm. my church family and different churches just the ease of Christian community and just getting from place to place is a little bit easier here so just the chance to connect with so many people and be encouraged in the Lord and just one thing I love is that when I do live since I do live far away and don't get the chance to be here very often um, the, when I do get time with family and friends here, it's really special and really treasured. Like we treasure those moments because we don't, we know we don't get a lot of them and just the opportunities to maybe get into deeper heart to heart conversations more easily than otherwise, Mm. because you know, Oh, this might be the only three hour time period I have with this person. Mm -hmm. So then just really catching up on the important stuff in life. That's so good. And I've been very blessed and encouraged by by, by the people that the Lord's placed in my life. So really thankful for that. That's cool. Do you do any sort of um, like a newsletter? Or I do. Ask that too. Something I do. like I do that. A newsletter and a blog. Okay. So. Well, if you give us that information, we'll put that in our sure. in thing so people can follow your journey if they want to. And okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Have a good day, everybody. Have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs>